episode of season two of Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a, a late night purgatory. And I am one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell. And joining me every week on this cinematic expedition is Adam Walker. Adam, we've made it to the finish line of season two. And uh, boy, howdy, we're going out with a bang. How did we do it again? How did we manage? In a blink of an eye. I can't believe we're already here. Uh, we're, I feel, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like last season I was uh, like welcoming a much needed break. And then this season kind of breezed by and I could, I could have done more episodes, but we're, we're going to end it here. Uh, 20 episodes per season. Um, but I'm not as exhausted with the whole affair as I was Last year, probably because we were still figuring out the nuts and bolts of it week, week to week. And it was uh, a single episode could have taken up to four to five hours because we just had so many goddamn technical difficulties that it became a fucking nightmare at times. But this was very streamlined this season. Sure. We're coming. We're becoming absolute professionals in our craft. And I agree with you in all accounts. I, I feel like we could just keep rolling with this. But, you know, in order to make sure that. We're a sound uh, body and mind, which, by the way, for those of you that uh, cannot see, I want to mention that uh, my co-host is recording this episode shirtless. That, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So uh, to get <laughs> well, you don't know what's going on by, be below the waist either. You know, may not stop well, there. <laughs> yeah. So as far as my eyes can see, uh, 
Pat's going shirtless, which that's appropriate. And yes, so yeah, sound bodies and minds all around here uh, for this uh, <clears throat> vascular episode of final episode. Yeah, I feel like we're going out. We're going out strong. We're going out long. We're going out strong. We're down to get some more friction on maybe <laughs> later. I don't know. <laughs> well, I but look not- forward to the <laughs> the season two uh, gangbang uh, party afterwards. That'll be fun. Yep. Brazzers. You hear us now. <laughs> Midnight Flicks Brazzers account. Um <laughs> Well, some, uh, some small housekeeping issues before we get started. Uh, we oh. received an, an exciting email <laughs> that apparently we're trending in the country of Ghana. And th- this is not a joke. I at first thought it was a joke. And then it, this email checks out. We are number two in the category of film reviews in Ghana and number six in the category of TV and film in Ghana. And we're posting up in the top 200 in Australia. We're at 190 in uh, the category of film reviews, which is actually kind of crazy. I, that, I don't, that seems nuts. Yeah. Um, so howdy to all of our uh, international listeners there that we apparently were not aware of. Hey, again, to everyone out there, we have an email. You can get in touch with us. I've given up on the email. We still we still give it out, but it's, I'm just regurgitating it out of like necessity at this point or just yeah. like just, you know, knee jerk reaction. It's nothing. I don't need to expect anything at this point. But um, well, yes, uh, Aquaba Mima Wo Aquaba to our uh, Guyana, Guyanese listeners. Yeah. I'm not sure what the denizens of Ghana, what their proper. This is uh, embarrassing. We're going to plummet. Is, there goes our listenership just plummeting as we speak. Well, that's a shame. F- forgive us for our uh, our ignorance on your 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 cultural uh, culturally appropriate de- designations. But yes, just, we appreciate you tuning in. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, yeah, that very exciting. And we didn't prepare for this, but maybe let me just throw this out there for season three. Maybe at the end of season three, we should have an awards uh, show or section during the last episode. I don't know if I'll, it would warrant an entire episode dedicated to a, an a, awards for that season. But maybe a, mm. a quick awards overview in the last episode, that'd be nice. I didn't prepare anything, so we're not going to do anything. But we'll I'll just throw that out there for next season. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. Any other housekeeping issues you'd like to attend to? Um, oh, yes. I know what I wanted to mention. So last uh, episode, we, of course, spoke about Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps. And while we were talking about Night of the Creeps and how it was um, not successful financially, I made mention that I, w- I was almost positive that Monster Squad was a blockbuster hit. But in fact, when I went back and, and did more research, it was also a a box office failure. It also flopped. Wow. It also flopped. It also didn't make its money back. So, 
Yeah, just wanted to get two. that clear. Actually, 0 for 3, because then he did uh, Robo 3, and we don't need to look up those numbers. <laughs> yeah, um, the most unfortunate of the bunch, of course. But yeah, so maybe that has some explanation as to why Fred Decker had not found success beyond those early movies. But Fred Decker, if you're out there listening, I just want you to know, hey, we got your back. And, you know, these people, they, they don't know what we know. So... We'll have to have you on the show sometime, hopefully. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> we want you to explain the uh, circumstances here and why your genius has not been able to blossom in quite the manner that we hoped it would. So, yeah. So if if, if he or LL Cool J would respond to our emails, it would be great to have one of them on the show. Um, well, to transition... Um, Let's do our off the top segment, or should I say our over the top segment? Hello. That would be appropriate, given what we're talking about tonight, which is Lords of the Flatbush. (laughs) (laughs) Which features our man from class of 1984. Um, What's his name? Perry. I don't know his first name. Perry Cuomo. Perry Um, King. The guy who plays uh, the, the teacher, he was in Lords of the Flatbush. Yeah, I have no idea what that guy's name was. <laughs> <laughs> I lose all knowledge the second we stop researching. <laughs> um, speaking of Flatbush, my uncle uh, <laughs> lovingly calls me a flat cock. And that's why I thought that was so funny. And I don't know if it's a Chicago, like, uh, what do you call those? Uh <laughs> Colloquialism? What do we? What the fuck? Colloquialism. 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 Yeah. He calls calls me uh, flat cock lovingly. He'll leave me a voicemail to say, "Hey Pat, you flat cock, call your uncle back. Go Bears." Then he'll hang up. Is this in reference to genitalia or the? I just think it's like just call me a flat cock. I don't think it has any meaning other than it's an endearing term. Between my uncle and I. So when you said Lord of the Flat, I thought Lord of the Flatcocks, that would be me. <laughs> but um, we're we're concluding season two with uh, Sly Stallone's 1987 uh, arm wrestling epic over the top. Um, and typically we call this segment uh, off the top, but we'll call it over the top for tonight's purposes and uh taking it over the top what were your initial (laughs) thoughts having revisited this which i assume was a first time in a long time well i just want to let you know that i i had a guest over tonight he stayed the night and uh, i feel like he's uh more more so than anybody is the most uh apt to be sitting in on this conversation right now so hey you want to hey you want to come in and Sit in on this just for a second. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, come on, don't be shy. It's fine. You can talk about it. All right. All right. So I'm just going to let the uh, this guy take the mic for a second. What the hell is going on? Hey, yo. So <laughs> this is your pal, uh, Sly Stallonia, and I go way back with Adam. And uh, we had a slumber party last night because we wanted to watch Over the Top. Eh. And... Uh, <laughs> So I just want to say all to all you midnight flicks maniacs out there uh, that uh, 
I, uh, you know, in hindsight, uh, I don't mind this movie as much as I thought I did, but uh, I really didn't want to do this movie. Um, I don't know, uh, but I just I got I got offered so much money, an insane amount of you wouldn't believe that I just could not. All right, buddy, that's that's enough. That's enough. All right, we. Come on, Sly. Is that you or Arnold? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, it's a little early, so uh, I still got to get my coffee. And when I hey, uh, when I'm uh, tired, I kind of I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, enough, enough, enough. Go drink uh, your. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll be oh, back. Hey, Zach, go I'll drink be... your six raw eggs. Uh, I just thought I. He was hanging out with me last night. You know, he's a friend of the family, and I thought it would be appropriate. To have, but again, he's clearly he needs to wake up a little bit more. I thought you had like an actual surprise for me instead <laughs> of <laughs> the worst Stallone impression I've ever heard. Hey, now come on, wait a minute. You got to throw in more hey yo's. That's hey like, yo. Yeah, that's like the whole thing. Hey. There it is. Um, so I still, I still love this movie. I love this movie back in so much, even more so after watching it upon this viewing. But wow, That's unbelievable! Yeah, the back end, I'll tell you what, man, just pound for pound, this is like pure 80s extravaganza fucking shit. But Man, the other parts of this movie that where they try to compile this together like some sort of like eighties action drama cadaver with all the wrong Frankenstein parts, you know, it's it's worth it just to sit through to be able to just put it on blast because it's so ridiculous and so insane and <laughs> but you know the movie as a whole yes i would say that upon repeat viewings there's aspects of it i don't again i never want to get too far into this until we actually talk about it in the good the bad and the questionable but there's aspects of it that each time just makes me grind my fucking teeth <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a weird it's a strange uh movie to talk about because i i feel like i feel the exact same way you i, I obviously chose this um mm. and uh yeah you got us into this mess so it's definitely like a riff tracks mst3k kind of affair it's a fun mm. movie to to watch with a group of people and, and kind of and and just rip apart. Um, but I still find it endearing. I think it's I think it's still entertaining. I'm not going to like when people point out certain stuff, I'm not going to defend it. Um, it's yeah. just something I enjoy. Um, and it is a big swing and a miss. And you know how much I love just someone swinging for the fences mm. may not always work out. This movie is like they tried so hard to like what you said, Frankenstein together, a bunch of cliches and 
none of them work. It's crazy. It's like a <laughs> fucking someone went up to bat. They, they just like went like oh for five, like five strikeouts. Just like but was swinging at every fucking pitch out of the zone, in the zone, in the dirt, <laughs> swinging hard. So <laughs> those are my initial thoughts. I, I feel like we're going to be in total agreement, um, which is, it, you know, always fun. Uh, so and, and I'm glad we are for the last episode. What well, was I say? So, yeah, it Frankens it gets Frankenstein together in a way that makes it pure trash. But I almost feel this is the type of trash because of its insanity that it almost sublimates it to that other level of this is amazing uh because you know so and a lot of that i feel like is attributable to the director who i think we'll have to talk a little bit more about at some point if we could pronounce his name Menahem Golan. Okay, good. Okay, Menahem Golan, like an yeah, Israeli. Yeah, he was uh, Israeli, right? He was an Israeli director. Um, yeah, we could we can get into him a little bit too. Um, but yes, I still I still like this movie for what I perceive it is <laughs> in the like pantheon of Stallone films. It's um, it's like I I'd, I'd say it's somewhere in in the middle like it's not it's nowhere he has so many really bad movies yeah in the filmography that this this ranks above all of all of the really shit ones yeah Um, so believe it or not this one is not the worst (laughs) no not at all and that's not even close i mean there's lots of really really bad ones especially down the stretch um but outside of like rambo and and rocky I mean, this is pretty much right outside of that, honestly. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of entertainment. Um, but OK, we can uh, we can start getting into the nuts and bolts of it. Then um, the general plot description uh, for tonight's movie, uh, a <laughs> a trucker by the name of Lincoln Hawk, who's played by Stallone, is uh, I guess he's a long haul trucker. Good to point out. He tries to win back his alienated son, Michael, uh, and all the while becoming a arm or pursuing an arm wrestling championship (laughs) along the way. (laughs) So can I give my synopsis? Yeah, sure. I think my synopsis very succinctly captures how batshit this movie is. (laughs) So let me just like spit it out here real quick. A deadbeat dad has to win back his terrible shithead, spoiled rich brat of a son and does it by arm wrestling. There you go. <laughs> Much better. Cut, <laughs> cut mine out completely. <laughs> and, just, and just copy paste yours in, <laughs> in that section. Yes, uh, that's that's the general overview. Um, it was made for $25 million and grossed only $16, middle, 16 million total. Uh, Which- which that surprised me. I thought I for some reason again in my head I thought this, this was, was a banger. Hit. This was a hit. Yeah, I guess not. No. Well, you know, at the height of his power in 87, you'd think this this would have put butts in seats. 
Right. Just him alone. That's why he was in it. He reluctantly signed on to this movie. I didn't look this up, but I don't know what his what he got paid to make this. But I feel like without Stallone, you make this for 15 million and then you you break even. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, or do you even break even? Because are you are you getting 16 million if Stallone's not even in it? That's true. It's it's a real uh, chicken in the egg scenario. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, It debuted Valentine's Day weekend uh, before expanding to a nationwide theater, uh, nationwide theaters a week later. Um, It grossed five point one million dollars over President's Day weekend, which is the week after Valentine's Day. Um, And it finished in fourth place in total. The film earned eleven and a half million in the U.S. and Canada, so the rest was probably garnered through TV and 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 home video sales. But um, but hey, what a perfect movie to take a sweetheart to, right? Take, take, <laughs> it's like the take a yes. sweetheart to over the top. During That's those- guaranteeing at minimum a <laughs> <The> blowjob. <laughs> How do you walk out of that theater without? Oh, this insufferable fucking brat of a kid is just getting Your date my will be so bored. Getting me so hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd rather suck a dick than continue watching this. Is what <laughs> that should have been on the, like the cover. Like a, two two people went on a date, and the date said, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, right." Um. I thought you would be really tickled by this if you hadn't read this. Stallone literally pinned Roger Ebert against a slot machine and told him, quote, it's okay to criticize my movies, but never me. I love it. I guess. So Ebert had a scathing review of this that I could not find. Um, But all I could find was that Stallone had cornered him in a casino and pinned him up against a fucking slot machine. Probably fistfuls of of fucking whatever shirt he was wearing well i'll tell you what keep it rolling with your whatever you got to say for a second because i'm i'm gonna go back here into the library behind me and i'm gonna see if i can find this review okay okay so you just keep it going i'll be back in a second okay the film also received uh, three nominations at the eighth Golden Raspberry Awards in 1988. David Mendenhall uh, won two for both Worst Supporting Actor and Worst New Star. Sylvester Stallone was nominated for Worst Actor, which he lost to Bill Cosby. <laughs> which is okay. I'm back. So yes, I, I knew about the Bill Cosby, the Leonard Six thing, which is. Of course, uh, a legend, Leonard Six, in many respects at this point, is, is legendary. Um, but I'm glad David Mendenhall got two raspberries for this shit. I mean, that's that's great because he's, yeah. the, I mean, we will get into it, but he's the glaring bad in this. Oh, OK, so I was hoping I'd be able to find. So I have y- y'all can't see it here, obviously, you know, but in your mind's eye picture me holding up. I have my coveted copy of Roger Ebert's Your Movie Sucks. And I thought maybe I'd be able to find the uh, the uh, review of it in here, his crit- his criticism, but can't find it. Damn it. Well, we'll have to we'll have to dig this up at some point. I it could have also been a Siskel and Ebert segment 
um, yeah. on their show and he never wrote about it. Or maybe he just got maybe he shit himself so bad over it. He pulled the review. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that Stallone fucking manhandle. Hey, Roger! Hey, Rajim! Hey. That's why it's all good and well. I can't do it now. This is terrible. This is so bad. You should be reprimanded. It's because you put me on the spot. Coming in hot. I did not do that. I did no such thing. I'm giving hey, you. Yo. There it is. See, you got to say more hey yo's. Hey. Um, in the case of this movie, you, you just got to talk really soft. Yeah, this is that. a soft a soft spoken uh, role, and you know, which I, I love. I love soft spoken uh, uh, slide. Roger, I'm just really sensitive, and I would appreciate it. Well, I'm not sure he was. He was uh, soft spoken with Raj. <laughs> what if he just he just like whispered into his like? Can you imagine? Like I'm getting real close to the mic here. He's right by his ear, and he's like kind of like flicks his tongue out a little bit on. Oh his my god! Hey, Raj. Jesus. I'm gonna give you a wet willy, Roger. Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like Fran Drescher over here. <laughs> um. Okay. Are we ready for the good, the bad, and the questionable? <laughs> Fuck face. <laughs> All right. Let's take it. Let's take it to the arena, folks. Ding, ding, ding. The good, um, to throw it off, because it's hard to talk about this. When we do the off the top segment, I try to be as vague as possible. Um, but to be more uh, descriptive of why I like this movie, this is a quintessential so bad it's good movie. It's like almost every scene devolves into unintentional comedy territory. And it's actually quite remarkable how... They cannot piece together a like heartfelt or honest interpretation of humanity in this fucking movie. It's it's nuts. It's uh, it's fucking hilarious because of it. And I think without that unintentional comedy, this is a, a fucking real slog. Yeah. So let's just emphasize, really, the best part of this movie. I have it off the top. We can just talk about. Most of the good will just comprise of us talking about the arm wrestling. And you have scant little arm wrestling until the very end where you have plenty of arm wrestling, more than enough. And that's what I'm saying. So that whole back end for me, once it gets to that point, then I'm all I'm sold. The final act. Yeah. yeah. The final the act. Um is is tremendous it's uh it's great the whole tournament in vegas is just on another level it feels it feels like that it feels like that entire final act was directed by christopher guest 
Like it's <laughs> yeah, it really it's like does. a best in show, like insanely farcical, like mockumentary, especially mm-hmm. like with the interviews of all the athletes and stuff. It's it's very Christopher Guesty. It's fucking nuts. And you've got like Hagar just like scream <laughs> scream singing over the top of it. It's it's crazy <laughs> nuts. It is like and and you know this this movie was panned by critics uh for for lots of reasons. The the shit acting and the bad story and the the meandering and the lack of actual arm wrestling for the, the first <laughs> hour. But, um, you know, <laughs> it really comes together in that last, in that last act without it. Uh, you don't have very much, but I, I love the whole tournament. I just want to say that that whole last act and everything represented, not just on screen, but in terms of, this country and our, our value set, what we stand for as a collective, maybe to other nations. This is this is why young men go to to foreign nations and die. <laughs> this is why blood is shed. Of this is why foreign blood is shed, and our bo- and our best boys go over and and fight in in the most. Um, Adverse terrain and circumstances is for what we got in that that third act, that final act. It is just like a screaming bald eagle, like <laughs> a fiery, <laughs> yeah, on fire, like just <laughs> descending from the clouds in like a screeching roar, like just like looks <laughs> like war crying out of the fucking <laughs> yeah, just just bombing. Uh, third world nations that have developing leftist governments that are trying to establish any sort of sovereignty over their own resources. This is, we just see a screeching flying bird of prey streaked with red, white, and blue coming at just, and, 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 and in the flash of that glare of the flames, you see the flexing biceps of America, mm-hmm. We've got flex of our on great you. nation. So watch out, motherfuckers, because you know we're gonna get this fucking kind of movie over and over and over. If you keep fucking up, stomp my flag, I'll eat your ass. So <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> Um, but yeah, not not just uh, not just that 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 final act is badass and and fucking absurd. But this is like the first and last cinematic attempt at making competitive arm wrestling the main crux of a movie. And for that reason alone, it should be celebrated because I don't think I mean outside of documentaries or maybe one-off things here or there that I can't name. This is like. like- an honest to goodness attempt at making arm wrestling like the main plot of a movie. <laughs> right. And I will, I will go on to say that, and I'm sure you obviously made this observation. Anybody made this observation, you know, that is tapped into the cultural zeitgeist of the time, and especially what was uh, popular in terms of sports entertainment. They were clearly trying to really capitalize on the rising popularity of pro wrestling with making these characters 
so larger than life and insane and just, you know, really establishing this kind of heel persona with all of them. And of course, Sly being the baby face here, you know, and, and, and of course, once again, reprising his eternal role, I feel as the underdog. Yeah. The guy, just, the, the, just the constant, uh, he has been told he can't do something and his whole life. And yeah, what's, what's the quote of the movie? Like life is never gonna, Meet you halfway. <laughs> what the so fuck? The platitude. Uh, yeah, the platitudes. <laughs> so yeah, life is not going to meet Sly halfway, and you got to earn it for yourself. Right. And so he's pitted up against this man that is clearly towering over him. That's like three times his size. There's just no way an absolute hell he would ever defeat this guy that's what we want to see is what we want to see is the is the underdog uh take up take on and and take down oiled up men twice his size at least i could watch that endlessly (laughs) just that that concept so since this is the meat of the good is all that part let's just I don't know if you want to do this, but I just really want to break down the best of the best in that whole scene. First off, let's talk about the grizzly man in his foobar shirt. I don't know what is going on with that man. I mean, at one point he eats a cigar. I'm pretty sure. Is he drinking motor oil at another point? He So this cat... I didn't do too much research on it, but from what I could tell is this is his only role ever in a movie. Yeah. This dude was a legit just fucking maniac (laughs) that I'm pretty sure was a pro arm wrestler. So they found all most of the guys that are competing in this were taken from the pro arm wrestling circuit. Yes, they made a they made a um, they made a conscious decision to try to. uh, trying to spotlight on some of these individuals, and and even the there's the female one of the famous female arm wrestler Reggie Bennett is in this. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean I think that's cool that they didn't just cast a bunch of actors to in these roles. They tried as much as they could to have honest to goodness arm wrestlers in these roles, and then you that's what you get though. You get these like unhinged performances because they're not actors. They're they're just juiced out of their minds and they arm wrestle for a living (laughs) right so yeah grizzly guy is of all the characters aside from bull is is my numero uno he's my main man and the fact that if there (laughs) if there is any uh testament to this movie being a flop and its consequences it's that 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 guy didn't get a fucking contract (laughs) Out of this movie. It's a real either, shame. Yeah. Either being a pro wrestler or being in other movies. I don't know. But that guy, he should have he should have streaked to superstardom in some way from yeah. that performance. <laughs> yeah. He could have been like the new Slim Jim guy instead of he could have been the Slim Jim guy before Macho Man. Shit. Yeah. So he's um he's unreal. Um just there's like a um, there's a display of several shirts 
during this whole scene that each time it would cut to a, a an actor and it would show one of these shirts, I would just lose it. So Bull's got the blaster shirt. <laughs> Grizzly Man's got the foobar shirt. There's one dude they shoot him from behind and he has it's just a shark on a back print and it yeah. says awesome. <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, that guy awesome, that guy's awesome winning. shark. Yeah. I'm like, wow, they they really are wearing the best shirt. And then of course you got I think his name's Bosco. He's just a, the classic old school Budweiser shirt. The no, I love yeah, I love that <laughs> that logo. The Bud Heavy old school logo is, is killer. It's it's yeah, it's a classic. So those are some of my other goods from this. Please carry on here. No, Pat. that's good. We could I could talk endlessly about le- legitimately though is is Grizzly drinking motor oil? Did you see that? What the fuck is he drinking? Okay, so he puts the like stogie in his mouth that's still he's like smoking it and it's like time to arm wrestle. So he just decides to fucking chew it up and eat it. <laughs> and then there's another point where he literally looks like he has a, a bottle of motor oil that he's just drinking. <laughs> I am almost positive he actually is drinking motor oil. <laughs> Yeah, no, that wasn't. It probably wasn't in the script. He just <laughs> no. came prepared one day to drink motor oil. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> far and away, I think uh, the grizzly guy wins it. Um, dear Lord. Um, other goods that I did have on here was hardcore wrestling fucking legend. Terry Funk is in this. Yeah. Um, and who did this in 87 and followed this up with an almost identical role in Roadhouse, which is like 89, um, yeah. which what what a banger of, of two movies to be in. Uh, he's in like the te- Mount Testosterone more Hall of Fame, like in terms of being in the dumbest, most macho movies of all time. He over the top and 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 fucking roadhouse that's that's killer and he's like a bouncer slash security guard in both so and i could have i could have gotten way more terry funk he he's only in the movie for a real blip so it's yeah 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 but just him and like him in general as a child i just like him and and Cactus Jack matches and hit just him and his, and all the fucking crazy ECW. He was old when I was watching wrestling then because I was yeah. like, this guy's old as shit and taking bumps onto like thumbtacks and like ripping up his fucking forehead and, and still just like going through it. Um, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a goddamn legend. Uh, oh. It's great to see him in this. Yeah, legit maniac Terry Funk for he's sure. Of he's dialed back in this. If they needed him to do some, <laughs> right, yeah. some more shit, he could have easily. All he does is take a bump through like a plate glass door or some shit. Like Stallone throws him through it or whatever. Um, other than that, yeah, he's not mm-hmm. doing a ton. Um, despite the the real piss poor performances in this, almost across the board, like Robert Loja is like acting in a different movie um like david mendenhall is uh the most insufferable performance of all time i'm sure we'll get to that um even stallone's performance is like dialed down to like i don't even know if he has a pulse in most of this (laughs) as he's getting like berated (laughs) by this like 
RBG Yas Queen fucking piece of shit kid. Like, <laughs> I fucking hate him so much. Anyway, despite all that, I still regard this as one of the greatest father son movies ever. And that has nothing to do with the Lincoln and Mike dynamic. I find that the best father son uh, bonding movies are like these macho shit fests, something that you can laugh your way through. But also there's like either big ass explosions or ridiculous feats of strength being exhibited. Um, there's something to that effect, something that you could turn your brain off and just watch with your dad or something that your dad would show you. And you're like, what in the holy hell is this? I mean, <laughs> my, my dad certainly showed me this and I watched this with my stepson and he was like, what the fuck is this thing? And I was like, <laughs> what are you rotting my brain with here? <laughs> At first, you know, when it, when it starts, he and he has no, absolutely no fathomable clue what's going on. He, he sees Stallone and is like, okay, I'm interested because he loves the Rocky movies. And then there's arm wrestling. And then he's like, is this an arm wrestling movie? And I was like, yes and no. We, we got to sit through a lot. But once we get to the <laughs> once we get to the tournament, it'll pay off. And he loved it. So for those reasons, I feel like this is this is on uh, on the a very short list of father son movies. That's great. Yeah. So let's let's put in here since we're on that subject did the father son aspects of it and the dynamic uh one of the other goods is of course we got a great workout montage there in the in the middle-ish part of the movie with the father and son yeah they they finally they at that point you would think that they've turned a corner but um michael being the belligerent um uh emotionally uh, all over the place, Stunted. individual. <laughs> the schizophrenic, <laughs> uh, emotionally schizophrenic young man that he is. You would think that at that point in the movie that they turned the corner. All right, so they've they figured out a way to bond, and so first thing in the morning they wake up. Which I have. There's so many questions about this movie. This is going to be another very question laden movie discussion. Yeah. But despite it, they wake up and they they get their workout in there in the morning and the in the in the breaking of the dawn behind them. Yeah, that's great. With with the um the great the uh, hard rock anthem blaring in the background, you can almost picture that you're there. And Hawk has the 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 cab radio just cranked to the max with that Kenny Loggins or Sammy Hagar or whatever. And they're out there doing their push-ups, doing their doing their pull-ups or whatever they're, they're doing. I love their it. it. It's like a slice of uh, Americana. I'm just like these these two dudes, <laughs> father, son outside of his long haul trucking operation, doing like morning stretches and workouts. And yeah, mm-hmm. like Kenny Loggins is in the background screaming about bald eagles crying and shit. <laughs> it's great. There is like a line in that song that's something about this is what our country is about. And it straight up has some, it's just, it is oral propaganda to a T. And I, um, uh, it's on like the level of parody, though. It's almost like this clearly <laughs> isn't real. Like I go, I don't, I don't know what to think of this, but yeah. Um, I, w- 
I yeah, want to think I that, yeah, Menahem Golan just really being from Israel and, you know, the fact that Israel is an apparatus of our our military uh, industrial complex to a large extent, you know, maybe th- somehow through his upbringing as an Israeli, you know, he just had filtered American culture through uh, a much more um bombastic way i don't know he just like it's one of those things where you know like how sometimes people from different countries when they see things about america that they don't have to be directly influenced by and they're just like oh because it's so over the top and it's so big and bombastic that's what makes it great like we were talking about with like rennie harlan yeah so they see it from an outer side outsider's perspective and they're they're like well this is what is the best about america which is a lot of people in America, they think that way too, but it's because it's from an outsider's perspective, there's a different level of appreciation for it where they don't, they don't see the context that that it's in. They just see it as this is pure entertainment, you know? So let's just like juice it up as much as we can. And absolutely. (laughs) I think that's why it's so, it's such an odd portrayal of like oddly super patriotic and American because it comes from a foreign perspective. That's what makes it almost to the point of parody because Mm -hmm. it's, it's like through the lens of how somebody else perceives the most ridiculous parts Mm -hmm. of America. So, so they don't, it lacks the irony. Yeah. And it doesn't have any sort of, there's no anchor to hold it down in, in, implanted in any sort of reality it is in the, the fucking ether of <laughs> the cosmos of, of insanity which makes it so good <laughs> yeah i agree yeah. the 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 platonic universe of absolutely batshit insane patriotic cinematic 80s ideas yeah yeah it is <laughs> and you know talking about um the songs and the montages of this, because uh, a lot of the criticism was it's just like a 90 minute rock block of music videos. Like it's right. not really a movie here. But I love that. I, I think Winner Takes It All is like the most 80s montage song of all time. It's like on the level of when South Park did that, like, we're going to need a fucking montage. Like, <laughs> It is like the most montage song uh, is up there, like top five most montage 80s songs. And I love that they had the singer for Asia sing that song. And then they're like, this isn't fucking manly enough. We got to get Hagar. I don't know how you just tell the singer of Asia like, hey, princess, step step back. We got Cabo Wabo coming through this bitch. And he's going to sing this right. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, you panty ways, limey, wimp, kick rocks. <laughs> I, know, I know nothing about the guy from Asia, but I love that they, why did they even have him sing the fucking song? And then they were like, we don't, this isn't, this isn't enough. We need, we need it cranked up. It would have been perfectly fine because he's the same guy who sang it was the heat of the moment. So nobody would have known the difference. It would have been perfectly acceptable for the job. But, but that's far from the course of this movie. Far from like, the course, we need exactly. Hagar. I like that Hagar is the fucking the barometer for, for machoism at this at this point in eighty seven. 
He Fuck. saved Van Halen. <laughs> Call up the studio. Get the Red Rocker in here now and save this project. <laughs> well, I did hear something because they did get Hagar on board that they got 80, like 80, Eddie Van Halen is like on that track because of yeah. that. Yeah, he plays bass. Dude, plays that's bass sick. on the track. That's okay. I mean, all of that rules. Absolutely. <laughs> that's all. That's all in. That's all the good that I have to expose at this at this time anymore good well if there's one movie that made it cool to turn your trucker hat back yeah yeah it's uh it is the quintessential turning your your (laughs) cap backwards before you (laughs) kick some ass um let's see what else what do i have i mean really again yeah it, it it's all pretty concentrated into the 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 match itself that that final act the tournament Um, yeah there there's a decent car chase there with the uh when michael gets abducted sure yeah (laughs) that's cool and hawk hops into his big rig and chases the truck down and smashes it lincoln hawk is is uh, a tight name and i i feel like this is a joke that the movie played on us but that technically his son's name is mike hawk no, Which that is, was that was intentional. Did have his name be Mike Hawk? Wow! Yeah, I, I read that, that the writers actually, yes, they For wrote what his reason? name <laughs> because maybe they met that kid and they're like, "Oh man, we really got to ruin." If this movie won't ruin this kid's life, then us doing this inside joke will. It's so <laughs> close to Nighthawk that I just—it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. And then, of course, again, there's a couple choice big rig scenes where he crashes into the the pickup truck, when he crashes through the gates of the mansion into the front of the mansion. Yeah, that's cool. That's a cool piece of business. Big dick move there. I feel Uh, like this also does a good job. This this is a this is portraying truckers in a in a good light. Like, absolutely. Instead of just like methed out fucking uh lot lizardy <laughs> it's like scumbags he he like brought some he he brought some much needed uh pizzazz to the truck driving aesthetic so when i watch this because i have this on vhs but i didn't want to bother trying to find it because it's packed <laughs> in there somewhere so i was like whatever i'll just find it if it's streaming so i looked it up and it was there and um this was going to be a back to back if i put it on the instant instant play or the the automatic play of the next movie this is going to be a back to back double feature with convoy which if i had the time i would have watched both of them no doubt about it but wow. i just didn't have the time um and the fact that you brought up what you just brought up about this being you know a good trucker movie or p- portraying truckers and what would be a favorable light it makes you think about there was a discussion that uh was brought up on a show that i watch there's a show called seize the memes and it's hosted by this graphic designer named Teenage Stepdad. And he's like one of my favorite contemporary artists right now. He has a really great Instagram, but he makes the best memes. He's a meme artist. Yeah, I've seen his stuff. Yeah. So he has a show now and it's this kind of quasi Bob Ross style uh, instructional show where he kind of 
goes over the history of art and he kind of talk of meme art and he talks about his own philosophy on things and it's usually pretty scathing and funny and witty and then he kind of shows you real quick like how he does his his he makes these memes but on one of the episodes he was talking about where he gets inspiration and you know a lot of his inspiration is from old school vhs box art and he actually went to a, a video store in Arizona where he lives to go find some movies to utilize for his uh, inspiration. And he was just talking about that. He's like, whatever happened to these old movies about truckers and about the working class? And you don't see that anymore. You know, that's that's a thing that used to be popular is good movies about the working class and about, you know, yeah, a big rig driver yeah. and, you know, his trials and tribulations on the road and, you know, what it takes to, to, to get the, the freight across country. And <laughs> yeah, it's romanticized. It's a romanticized notion and, and the portrayal of it, 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 yeah, it, it's nice to see. It's nice. I think anything Stallone does, I'm a fucking, you know, a rock climber, a goddamn trucker, a fucking mm -hmm. boxer. Like he brings uh, a real je ne sais quoi to uh, mm -hmm. these professions and they become romanticized. I feel like there's an uptick in all this shit. Stallone does boxing. There's an uptick of people that were inspired to to box because of Rocky. I'm sure there was an uptick in fucking rock climbing because of Cliffhanger. I'm sure not just this movie, but the 80s had an uptick in convoy and long haul trucking like that. That's the that's the Stallone power right there. Well, and I would even say even though after its release and given the era that it was released in, and subsequent sequels that portrayed this differently. I would even say one of the reasons why I like Rambo so much is because the initial portrayal of John Rambo is he's a down and out ex Vietnam vet. It's an anti-war movie. Yeah. It's an anti-war movie. It's not <laughs> right. It's not glorifying the movie. It's talking about how these guys came back from a horrible war that we should have never gotten into. It was just, you know, more of our imperialist fucking, you know, ass fucking of the third world. And these guys came back and were treated like shit everywhere, not only by their country, but by, you know, other people like they were looked at as being trash and so, yeah, so that's what I mean. Even that where he's trying to give a, a what would be considered a um, not just a favorable, but a sympathetic, you know, view of these working class type of down and out figures. And yeah, you don't see that anymore. And I've, that's why I. That's why I like Stallone, despite all of his shortcomings and even Arnie to a certain extent. You know, it's I feel like they come from that sort of background. But, you know, like with anybody that achieves superstardom and the fame and the money and, you know, the influence that it garners, you know, and how it may change them over time. I guess I feel like they came from a pure 
place at one point yeah <laughs> and they have pure intentions and i feel like sly still does like even though he's not he's not an intellectual by any stretch of the imagination you know he still has these like what i feel are um good values that honest he's trying, intentions honest yeah. intentions exactly you know that he's trying to portray through his roles anyway i agree yeah it's he's misguided um, every now and then, but uh, you know, for the most part, I think I feel like his heart is true. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't ever see him like spouting any hateful rhetoric. No, no, or no, anything. Not at all. I think he just gets he gets tied up in into some weird bullshit like that new Rambo and and uh, yeah, the portrayal is is sometimes cringy. But you know, you get, when you swing for the fences like he does. <laughs> shit's gonna go awry sometimes but right yeah i love i love sly um i just want to put in real quick too even though this is kind of a bad but also kind of good product placement yeah i saw that as a criticism and i didn't really even it's it, it's that kind of stuff is so like oh like it just goes under the radar i don't even notice that kind of shit in movies yeah but it's so glaring with the giant brute uh, um, trailer that he's he's, oh, that's it, he's carrying, point. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so you see the giant brute advertisement that's there on the side of the trailer while they're doing the workout. It's like, yeah, how much more manly can you get here? The the effervescence <laughs> of manly next here is just wafting. He should have just been a screen. trailer of bull semen. <laughs> Well, we should get to the bad. Otherwise, uh, we're going to be here all day. Um, David Mendenhall as Mike is in the Hall of Fame of piss poor acting performances. It's I would also say equally to blame is the writing in this is is fucking awful. Um, But it is a real one two punch of fucking bad. And it's one of the worst performances by an actor that I can think of in any movie ever. Hands down. No hyperbole. Just it is. It's deplorable. They just they I don't know how much, you know, this affected him after this movie. We talked about I don't know how much we talked about it off mic or on mic, but we talked about the dude that played Anakin that you went to school yeah. with and how the fallout. Yeah, the fallout and repercussions from playing that role just ruined that man's life and i had that thought running in the back of my head the whole time that i was watching this movie where this guy he went on to have a career he still plays roles in movies but i was like i can't imagine how miserable this kid's life had to have been after this movie because of how badly he acted and how badly they wrote this character for him yeah, well, so uh, you say that, but this essentially ended his career. He didn't really oh. have. He went on to do voice act. Everything in his filmography after this is little bit roles in like Roseanne. But a majority of it is cartoons, Pound Puppies, Scooby Doo, some okay. bullshit stories from the Bible, Going Bananas, which is like some bullshit comedy that came out that same year. But yeah, he like that was it for him. This was it. <laughs> yeah, this was his. If he had thrived in this role, something may have materialized, but it didn't. And it's awful. It's so bad. He's like a petulant child like him. 
running out into the middle of fucking four lanes of interstate traffic just because like he doesn't want his dad like dad never hugged him like it's crazy it is a real fever dream performance I, I it's nuts yeah you just want him to get fucking blasted by a car during that scene <laughs> i've never heard of anybody medically dying because their son was a pussy <laughs> <laughs> but his mom is is dying because of it. She doesn't have she doesn't have like cancer or any sort of like like you know long standing illness. She's dying because her son's a bitch. <laughs> That's crazy. That was the clinical diagnosis. It's a medical diagnosis. <laughs> you killed your fucking mom. And it's really, really bad, though. Really bad. And really, that's in essence, that's why she wants her. Uh, uh, that's why she wants Michael and Lincoln to meet is because I think it wasn't that, that so much that her dying wish was for her son to. Uh, reconcile with his <laughs> alienated father, but it was more that he was. She was probably thinking, "God, I hope he hates his kid so much that he just beats him into a fucking maybe, um, yeah, puddle of <laughs> viscera, <laughs> and, uh, just beats his little bitch ass into the fucking ground." That line where he, that line where he says, "Like, well, you're of a different social class." Is, is that one? Is, is if you could pinpoint a line that sends you through the fucking roof, I think that's the point where when he's berating Sly for being a truck driver and he's like, this truck is dirty. Uh, well, it's you wouldn't know because you're of a different social class. Like, that's why that's why I, I like I compared him akin to like these real fucking spineless idiot, like RBG martyred. Uh, enthusiasts who are just like yes queen rbg like these fucking nimrod liberals like he comes off as like a a real elitist fucking clueless piece of shit like that's what he's gonna grow up to be yeah yeah he's 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 a or ted cruz i don't know it's 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 one or the other (laughs) right just a completely in every way emotionally socially culturally insulated just little twat bag um and you know I, this is what's also unfortunate is the kid is actually he's kind of a cute kid like if he would have been portrayed in a more favorable role if he would have gotten some sort of like whatever like role you know like a like as elliot if he would have been actually portrayed as a, an innocent young kid he probably would have had some measure of success i feel as a child actor but i just don't think he has the chops like i just i think like his performance in this is is wackadoo i know that the writing is bad but it Mm -hmm. is it's a it's it's just poor like it's a poor performance even the shit because they're like so we're mad about like oh you're of a different social class like that's that's written into the script but even the delivery of other lines like he's just like not a good actor it's just terrible like (laughs) yeah really bad he's he's our own he's my only bad he's the worst part about this fucking movie it's so it's almost hard to to sit through because of him he makes it fucking difficult when he runs out crying because he lost that arm wrestling contest (laughs) yeah 
You almost what? wish they just—it's kidnapped, and then as Sly tries to get him back, it's like a head-on explosion on the interstate, and it's just like roll credits, like fucking died. <laughs> that was or it. at that point, he's just like, uh, "I'm just—I gotta go to the tournament and do it for Mike." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would've been sick. Less yeah. Mike would've been awesome. That's why the tournament rules. Because it's it's the least Slow amount of mic, mic that you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's good. Well, and at that point, too, they turn it around enough that he's not such an insufferable little shithead. So you can you can digest his character a little bit better. But yeah, it's just the no pun intended, over the top <laughs> over the top portrayal of the worst kind of human in a little tiny body. Just the sneering fucking condescension. Sniveling, <laughs> condescending, privileged. Uh he's he's uh, the whole the whole package of 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 what would go on Mount Crapmore <laughs> in terms yeah, of performances. Right. And like you said, if there was so much less of the bullshit storyline of them trying to mend their relationship and just more if it would have been more punctuated by they're hitting different towns where he's just like doing all these art like the the initial scene where he goes to the roadhouse or whatever yeah goes to the, the diner and the guy's like come on hawk you know and then they have their they they have their competition there if there would have been more of that just punctuated with more of that and less of the fucking bullshit thrown together fucking dead weight of this mo- uh, 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 dad and son story. Yeah, this movie would have been significantly elevated. <laughs> and you can't like you can't buy into the father son bonding because Stallone is just getting <laughs> berated and taking it. He's like not even like, you know. He shouldn't because he kind of he kind of bailed and, uh, you know, he's trying to own up to that and is just getting shit canned for it. Like (laughs) shit canned for being like a trucker, which is like not a noble profession. And this is dirty on you hang out in these fucking dive bars. And I I want tuna on wheat and like, oh, my God, just you want to strangle him dead. Oh, the whole time. Just just not enough strangulation of this child in this Unfortunately. movie. Do you have yeah. any bad outside of him? Um, I mean, Stallone's acting. The acting from top to bottom. You got like <laughs> Robert Loja again is like, I don't know what movie he's in. But it's not this one. I it's, That's a strange performance from him. Yeah. I would say those are those are them. Again, this is more of a question laden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of questions. Tons but and yeah, tons. I mean, really, the acting, specifically that kid, a little bit less Stallone, where he's just phoned in completely. Robert Loja, uh, the storyline, obviously, all bad, all bad, 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 bad. Everything bad outside direct. the arm wrestling, bad directing. So yeah. So why don't we just, you want to just jump into these questions? Let's do rapid fire questions like back. in. So you go first. I go second. Like, well, you tell me something. None of your questions have answers, right? Like, just like 
all of my questions. My questions are just like yada, 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 yada. Like it's more of like a statement, like a questionable. It just has no answer. It's a rhetorical question. Sure. Well, I guess maybe you can clarify this because I tried to listen in through the whole movie again this time. But why exactly was Hawk an absentee father? Because here's the thing. He clearly loves his son a lot. And when he calls his wife on her deathbed, he clearly has a loving conversation with her. There seems to be good rapport. So why did he leave to begin with? And why was it that he was completely incapable in 10 years of ever visiting his son. What happened here? (laughs) I'm not sure that they, I mean, I think the, the logic of the movie is that being a long haul truck driver, he's, he's gone for two to three weeks at a time at, at least. And, and coupled with like his letters being, you know, put away in a drawer and he's never hearing back um, anything. So, yeah, I don't know why he didn't go the extra inch, not even mile. And just those weeks that he wasn't working, be like, hey, are you getting my fucking letters? Like, what's going on? It was just like, you never got any of my letters. What letters? It was like, well, I sent them for who sends letters for 10 years and is not getting a reply and then never like checks in, like be like, are you getting this shit? Or like check us in with a wife. Like I've been sending letters. Mike hasn't written me back. Uh, I know like I'm away on and I work a lot, but like what the hell is going on? That's the part that's not explained. I have no idea. I've known long haul trucker parents. They come home. Yeah. It's usually like two weeks on two weeks off or one, you know, whatever. (laughs) There is no explanation whatsoever for this dynamic to to have ever no. arisen. Um, so my best guess is, and he this is where I think he kind of they kind of try to explain it is he essentially was driven away by Jason Cutler, the the father Robert of Loja. his wife, Robert Loja, because he clearly is seething with this disdain. That, that that whole his wife's whole family is that like elitist shitbag fucking contingency of people, which then begs the, the other question is, how did these two even hook up? How, oh, what, I love a good. Where, why did it come to the point where she she's punching so far out of her weight class and he's punching up that this unlikely marriage even she's occurred. punching up in terms of like. The looks sure. department. But yeah, yeah absolutely. maybe wanna... that was. <laughs> she's just trying to. Yeah, she's trying to get dirty with a guy from the wrong side of the tracks along this long haul trucker, muscly trucker guy. You know, yeah, it's an unlikely pairing, a Romeo and Juliet situation, whatever. But still, none of this, none of this fully answers why he would have completely just deserted his family and barely ever checked in or had there was no interaction virtually no interaction whatsoever for 10 years until she's on her deathbed i think maybe here's the real answer he checked in and then he got that petulant bitch baby like (laughs) shit thrown back at him and he was like maybe i'll just wait this out and maybe this (laughs) i'll check back in and and he's not like the worst 
And then he checked back in and was like, hey, yo, I was wrong. This has got a lot, a lot worse. <laughs> also, the kid went to military school. Like, how does it, you go to military school and you come out an even bigger pussy? I, don't know. To un- I thought that was the whole point in military school. It's supposed to completely unfuck that out of you. You're supposed to be an emotionalist automaton. No, yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Um. Okay, I'm gonna rapid fire through mine, and if you still have some, let me know. I'm sure we have a ton. No taxi is taking off with a 12 year old. <laughs> that one, I had that. Yeah. Even <laughs> with pre 9 11, uh, Turd Waffle isn't getting on a plane by himself. No way in hell is this little bitch baby learning how to double clutch and how to navigate air brakes with a 10 second tutorial. That, that ain't happening. And I don't know why they set that scene up because he's like, oh, if you think I'm so stupid, why don't you try to do this? try to maneuver my truck they should have had him failing at it why yeah, did they have him com- succeeding on any level completely proved the kid's point it that proves yes, the kid's it. point that like you are fucking dumb and like i'm 12 and learned this shit through like a and there's, but there's no way that would happen there's just no fucking fathomable way nope um also mike is totally losing two out of three to that dollar tree edward furlong kid in the pinball like uh, uh, arcade <laughs> thing. There's no way Dollar Tree Edward Furlong is is taking him <laughs> fucking two out of three, and he's he's fucking crying home. Yeah, those fucking. I don't believe it. The, the, that fucking craggly face, fucking dust punk. There, <laughs> I love this idea of these shit these shit kids hanging out at the pinball bar all day, <laughs> Just getting into whatever. Um, what other questions do you have? Um, <laughs> why on earth would a cutler have thought that it was a good idea to send his goons <laughs> to kidnap his grandson? <laughs> I don't, that whole angle is so, you know, I forgot that it was it was Cutler's goons. So when I watched it, I th- I thought it was like a rival arm wrestler. Yes, originally that's that's the thought, and I think that makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, because you really want to get to Lincoln, but yeah, what a curveball! <laughs> Grandpa's fucking Grandpa's endangering my own life to try to bring me back. Like that that's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's how much he loves me. (laughs) He loves me so much. He almost killed me. There's so much toxic masculinity in this movie from every level. It's just, yeah, yeah, this kid's life is getting put into so much danger from so many different, just, just again, just, yeah. Like putting him behind the seat of a big rig to try and teach him how to drive by himself, taking him into these rough and tumble fucking townie bars Dude, and then he just puts his hat backwards and is like, finish your tuna sandwich. I got some fucking <laughs> some arms to pound. Yeah, it's crazy. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, why? Why did Salone just decide to whisper all of his lines? I don't it's understand. A real, it's a real understated uh, choice. I don't know. Um, here were a couple questions that. Uh, that I actually didn't even think about. Well, I kind of did, but then after I was reading and researching the movie more, they were confirmed that I was like, yeah, that, that wouldn't make sense. 
So Bull would have immediately, wouldn't he have immediately been disqualified after he punched Hawk in the face right there at the beginning <laughs> you would of, think, of that match? I don't know the, <laughs> the bylaws of the arm wrestling committee. <laughs> yeah, you'd also, think that'd be, that'd be disqualification. Instant disqualification. Also, on that note... It was supposed to be a double elimination round. So how is it that Hawk beat him after one win? Well, I think when it comes to the final round, it's just winner take all. So winner, it's not the song winner takes it all. Because okay. that's what I thought. I thought in the finals there it was double elimination. That's why. And there boy, was howdy, do out. they not let you forget it? It's like it, that that part is was in my bad, too. It's like. Every five seconds, they say something about it's a double elimination tournament. You have to lose twice to be eliminated. And at one point, he even says, in other words, if you lose once, you still got a chance. And then it's like over and over and over again. It's like double elimination, double elimination. I think that's just to find out who the last two competitors are. And then those two arm wrestle once. I don't I don't think it applies to the final round. OK, so those are my questions. They could have, they could have said Winner takes all. They could have said that. Right. There you go. That would have tied it up with a nice, nice bow. I did have a couple. Uh, actually, I'm looking back and I, I did want to double back. I had a couple other goods if uh, if we could double back. But unless you have any more questions. No, go ahead. Um, <laughs> I forgot to mention there is the security guard guy that's played by the actor that I don't. Oh, Alan Graff. That is in every movie seems to play a cop or a security guard. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on him. No. There is that there is that guy. Um oh yeah. I wanted to give a shout out to the bicep curl machine in the cab. Yeah. That it's, he <laughs> that he devised a nice there. piece of machinery. Um I can't remember if we mentioned this and I don't know how much it went into this, but I would say this just went into any 80s production. But I want to mention this because I want to talk a little bit about Menahem Golan. But obviously, to, to me, this the production of this movie is laced with cocaine because of the sheer, you know, inconsistency and insanity of many aspects of the movie. But I don't know if you know this. Have you ever heard of a movie called The Apple? No. So it was one of Menahem Golan's first American features. And it was essentially his attempt at capitalizing on the then in vogue trend of big bombastic rock musicals in the 70s, 60s and 70s. So Tommy... And I would say even to a certain extent, even though it was a cult movie, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, there's some other ones like, you know, um, I found out about this movie. I was watching a documentary about this producer. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he produced um, Grease. So he's a big time producer in the in the 70s and 80s. And he was a part of the like Studio 54 crowd. He was this like very flamboyant gay guy that, you know, you know, a visionary that had all these crazy projects and most of them were misses, but he had a few big swings like, you know, obviously agrees. But the Apple was a production that he was behind and is the most fucked up, insane, coke fueled, nutso, disco, psychedelic, weird movie ever made. (laughs) 
<laughs> where it's about heaven and hell and about how Satan has taken over Earth and he has a TV network that basically uh, brainwashes everybody by playing this one hit song that he has produced with his acolyte, who is this lady who she was, she starred in night of the comment. Uh, it was like her first big breakout role. Um, but anyways, if anybody's ever heard of the apple or if you really want to waste your time with a completely bad shit movie, check that out. But Menahem Golan, he, uh, he was at the helm of this, of this movie. So God damn. Anyways. Yeah. Being 1987. I mean, yeah, for, for over the top that, I mean, every, all, all movie productions at that point were, you had to like blow the mountain of Coke off the fucking script to <laughs> figure out what you were doing <laughs> to proceed forward. That's wild yeah. though. Yeah. So yeah. All right. I think that's it. Well, uh, we can move into our, Awards and category sections, starting with Arm Wrestling. Quotes. Let's introduce John Grizzly, three-time winner from the World Arm Wrestling Association. When I get to the table, that person—I don't care who they are—they're my mortal enemy. I hate them. John Grizzly, also coming up here, Mad Dog Madison. And, uh, I'm not so enthused about people coming up and patting me on the back, saying you're the best. I don't need people to do that to me. If I win, it's just because I wanted to be the best one time in my life. My whole body is an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm going to light him up. The Canadian champion, two years running, Carl Adams. I should be able to blow them away real easy. There's a lot more technique involved, and in, in, you can't beat experience. Adams, ladies and gentlemen. Get me, get me. And the newcomer from the truckers' division, Lincoln Hawk. Lincoln Hawk, over here. I'll tell you the truth, the truck is uh, the, the most important thing for me. I, I don't really. It doesn't matter if I uh, become the champion or anything. That's, that's not the most important. I, I need this truck. Lincoln Hawk. I drive truck, break arms, and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do. It's what I do best. Um, I mean, lots of great quotes from the the arm wrestlers themselves. Although my favorite quote, because I love when Arnold just (laughs) Arnold kill me. Fucking hey. No. Uh, did somebody, did somebody say Arnold? I am back with my old friend Star Slice Stallone. Yeah. I, I hope this is a season two. <laughs> we we are going this. to arm wrestle. Yeah, you like to, you love to see it. You had to say girly man. You didn't even do girly man. This girly man, Star Stallone. There it is. Hey, Arnie, what, who, hey, oh, you trying to call a girly man? It's so, so bad. The Arnold is, is not great. The Stallone, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> um, hey, it's my interpretation. Say? 
It's my interpretation. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're a real uh, what's his fucking name, Ernie Gollum or whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> what's the director's name? I don't even know. What it Man, is. I have Ernie. <laughs> what you say, Ernie? <laughs> Ernie Gollum. Yeah, you're real. I'm man. Ernie Gollum. Real man <laughs> Quotes. What was I fucking saying? Oh, <laughs> Stallone. I love when St- when Stallone just uh, is a little silly. I love when he does does a little silly stuff. Uh, mm. So I love when he said, "Oh, I always wanted to be a milkshake." That's my favorite. Yeah, Stallone Aww. line in this. Um, what else do you have? Since you're not impressed by my fucking Stallone line. Go ahead. No, I was blow me away. I said, "Oh, it's a cute line." What are you talking about? You're like, ah, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> it's because you're not impressed with my slice alone. <laughs> I never right. will be. No, uh, Hurley, I'll work, I'll work on it. Hurley, I drive truck, break arms, and arm wrestle. It's what I love to do. It's what I do best. Being number one is everything. No second place. Second sucks. Yeah, I mean this. The quotes are are backloaded clearly with all of the arm wrestlers' uh, dialogue there during their the the competitors' corner portion of the yeah the the the, uh, the confessional interviews of all the wrestlers or all the arm wrestlers is is mainly where all the quotes come from. Grizzly saying, "When I get to the table, that person, I don't care who they are, they're my mortal enemy. I hate them." That's real, my favorite. It's a it's a cavalcade of of wrestling promos, really. It, like professional so wrestling promos. Yeah. My whole body's an engine. This is a fire plug, and I'm gonna light them up. Bosco. Yeah. I was gonna say the funny thing is, of all of those like competitor profile parts that they do. The worst one is Hawk. He's the most meandering and not punchy at all. He just the world doesn't miss go nobody halfway. When you want something, you gotta take it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. He doesn't deliver it at all without with any pizzazz, any punch. It's like, oh, so this is a guy that's gonna win. <laughs> one of the takes, I was like, they didn't do that again. Like it was clearly, it felt like they accidentally put in a. A shit take. We <laughs> yeah, really did. It was bizarre. <laughs> because um, it's so yeah. funny because all the other guys, they're clearly on 11. They're just like, they are so fucking amped up and like the vans are popping out of their heads and they're just like, just getting so psyched and juice. And then they get the wing and it's there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, did, know. I found that quote. He says, what I do is I just. Try to take my hat and I turn it around and it's like a switch goes on. And when the switch goes on, I feel like another person. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like like a truck, like a machine. <laughs> it's like, you remember that? It's like a YouTube video or a GIF of a kid. It's just going and and then 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 you can do anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, I don't have any. I'm looking through, but I don't see anything else I would I would throw in here. Um, Those are the best. There's a really weird one that is not on here. That was just like him talking to Mike 
And me and my stepson looked at each other because it was like quasi really like strange. He was like, I want, I got a lot to give you. And I just want, there's a lot of stuff inside of me that I want to get inside (laughs) of you. And I want to give you every inch of it. And I just want you to take it and learn from it. And I got so much to give. It was fucking weird. I was like, kept going. I was like, what is going on? You want to give them every inch of you? Uh, That's one way. (laughs) Fuck the pussy out of that boy. (laughs) No. Oh, no. I once again want to really say we're excited to have all of our Ghana listeners. And uh, we look forward to you guys tuning in next season. Um, I don't know where to go from there, so we'll just move on. Those are the highlights. You, you, you hit all the highlights, my friend. Just let's keep the train roll. Let's keep this <laughs> the train wreck a rolling. Best scene, worst scene. Um, the tournament montage with the various wrestler interviews and all of it yeah. set to "Winner Takes It All." I mean, that's the the best. Well, I was going to say specifically. The the bout between Hawk and Grizzly, yeah. I like that even better than the one between him, uh, Hawk and Bull. Oh yeah, it's like, yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, that's good. That's that's my best scene. What's the worst scene? Jeez, fuck. Where did I actually couldn't go? put. I I didn't have anything down because I don't really know. It's not. It's easy to say like anything with the kid, but like yeah, even some I shit like I enjoy. I I guess the scene where he where he shows him up by driving the truck because it's fucking the whole thing is infuriating because you just want the kid to fail, and I don't even yeah. understand why you have that scene. Yeah, uh, the way it is. Way to way to way to play yourself. <laughs> yeah, like did he? <laughs> I don't know. That's the whole thing is strange. Um. The Dahmer I hardly know her award for the most killer performance. Uh, I just said the, the arm wrestlers collectively as a whole. I guess I, I'll give it to Grizzly though specifically. Yeah, I put specifically Bruce Way. That's his name. Bruce yeah, Way Bruce is Bruce Way. So Bruce Way, if you're out there listening, come on to the pod. Now that might be attainable. That would that, be attainable. That's possible. We'll if have he's to alive, reach out to Bruce Way. Gonna have to do some digging. That'll be the hardest part. The Michael Rooker Award uh, for the most evil fucker in the movie. I mean, it's Mike, right? <laughs> no, I put uh, the grandpa. I, I guess. He I truly just, is the villain. For for what Mike is has to put everyone through, he's the fucking most evil. He That's runs true. across eight lanes of interstate traffic. I mean, people fucking died for sure. He fucking, there's blood on his hands. Absolutely. <laughs> Little shit. He's the you, you little shit. Just there you go. There it is. If I ever yeah. see this actor in real life, I wonder how much he just gets fucked with in in real life. Oh, you're that fucking little bitch boy from I don't know. He's like top, 56 now. <laughs> I hope that's still not happening. It's like dinner reservations get turned down that he tries to make because of David. Oh, yeah, Mendenhall. I recognize that name. Somebody looks it up on the phone. Oh, you're that fucking kid. From- nope. Yeah, David <laughs> Don't come to this restaurant. <laughs> your table for one, because assuredly he's alone. Yeah. Alone all the time. Um the recasting couch. I focus primarily on 
what could we do to fix <laughs> this situation with Mike? <laughs> I thought of uh, a litany of, of individuals. Basically, anybody from Stand By Me would have been great. Uh, specifically, Will Wheaton, though. Um, it would have been right before TNG, and he would have been coming off of Stand By Me. Um, I think Will Wheaton would have done a fucking bang-up job in this. Yeah, I agree. Will Wheaton would have been good. Or, Will Wheaton, uh, River Phoenix. Um, th- Will Wheaton or River Phoenix. River Phoenix would have been killer. Corey Feldman, would, that would have that would not have worked. And Jerry O'Connell, I'm not sure <laughs> that works. <laughs> but uh, Will Wheaton and River Phoenix specifically. I, think I would that, say that would be killer. Henry Thomas. He played Elliot. In yeah, E.T. so I have Henry Thomas, who did E.T. in 82. So this is five years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Leonardo DiCaprio, but he may have been still too young because his first movie is Critters 3 in 91. Yeah, um, he would have been too young. For Neil sure. Patrick Harris did Doogie Howser in 89. Um, so I thought that might that might jive. Um, and then I also put Sean Astin because he did Goonies in 85. Uh, so I thought that would be fucking killer. Yeah. So many better choices. All of those would have been just (laughs) phenomenal. Like I'd love the idea of Samwise and, and Stallone going tit for tat there. (laughs) That'd be, that'd be fucking awesome. Okay. Do you have any recasting to talk about? Well, an actual real life would have. Oh, yeah, I, I did see this one too. Yeah, it was go ahead. Don jo- Don Johnson was originally cast to play Hawk. Yeah, n- not even sure what that looks like. That's yeah. like so strange. Um, I don't know either because for one, even Don Johnson maybe at his, in his beefiest wouldn't have been even approaching Sly. No, imagine him. Yeah, doing the arm wrestling portion of it. It's so so bizarre. So, okay. Well, wiki wormhole. Uh, unfortunately, the body count was a big zero. Should have been a big no. one. It was oh. one. But who dies? The mom. Oh, who cares? <laughs> hey, hey! If we're gonna stick to our own categories here. <laughs> Come on there, brother. You're right. It's the a big mom one. dies. We got a one. All right. So it's a one. you're right. We got, you're a, right. we got one ticker on there. I was wrong. It's it's one. <laughs> Thank you. But dying from disappointment in what your son became. Is that uh, a death? I guess it counts. It counts. It's not a, you know, a lawnmower death. I guess it's still. It's it, it is still a counts. sad, tragic way to go that when. When your son turns out to be that big of a horrible disappointment that it came from your loins, that you you produced this entity to wreak havoc in the world. Can you imagine how horrifying that would be? That is a horror story right there. Yeah. It oh, is. Fuck. Truly. God, I can't believe what I've wrought under the world. Just take me now, Jesus. <laughs> take the wheel. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so years later, uh, Sylvester Stallone explained why he agreed to appear in this movie and said, quote, Menahem Golem kept offering me more and more money until I finally thought, what the hell? No one will see this. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> John Bresnick, the real-life arm wrestler who actually inspired the Lincoln Hawk character, won in the truckers class of the actual over-the-top tournament and won the Volvo white truck and trail uh, mobile trailer that were on the grand prize in the movie. It was worth about $250,000, and Bresnik then took the truck on tour across the country to promote the film. He later sold it and bought a 1987 Corvette with some of the money. Strange. Good, good on him. Very good on him. Stallone, obviously, was reportedly very unhappy with the final uh, film. And in an interview, his idea of what he what changes he would make <laughs> sound like he's wanting to make it worse. I don't know. He wanted to make it in more of an urban environment and used score instead of uh, rock songs and made the Las Vegas finale more ominous. I'm not sure how you make it ominous, but um, all of those are downgrades. All downgrades, literally, and also, and also, yeah, of all the things that he was unhappy with, those are the really. I think, I, and you know, I guess he can't come out and be like, you know, I just wish David Mendenhall wasn't in the fucking movie. <laughs> There's an actor's creed that he's sticking to here. You can just see, okay, I was thinking about this also while I was watching the movie. There's a scene at the very end when he he it's it's before he's going to to the bout with bull and he's having his heartfelt discussion with his son and then he hugs him and you can just see the look of disappointment on his you can see that he is he is just beside himself with having to portray any positive emotions towards this person <laughs> i wonder how he truly like in his heart of hearts i wonder how he thought acting with that kid went like i wonder how he thought that you know that process really? was yeah i want i want to get i want to get some sort of on the record about how he actually felt about that <laughs> that dude <laughs> it, it, I, I can't imagine that he had a good time um Rick Zumwalt, who plays, uh, he plays Bull, uh, he was paid $10,000 to shave his head for the film, he, but he liked it so much, he never let his hair grow back again, which is crazy. I can't even imagine that dude with hair. It's like, fits him no. so well. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> David, <laughs> I think David Engelbach is all of us. He was so appalled at the changes made to the script. He recalled having tears in his eye when he saw the film. <laughs> <laughs> but not tears not of joy, joy or no. sorrow. Of pure, uh. pure anguish. He <laughs> remarked that his original draft wasn't nearly as dumb as the final film and that it was more about truck driving and arm wrestling than it should have been. But see, that's where he's fucking up, too. Yeah, the that, that quote is so fucking weird. It should have been more and more about if truck driving. Anything. <laughs> this dude's crying because he wanted more father-son bonding. Like I was almost on his side, and then I read the that last. And I was like, "Wait, what? No, <laughs> that's it." Shouldn't have been wrong. about the truck driving and the arm wrestling. There should have been more father-son bonding. Like I, I wish they stopped at the Grand Canyon and took like yeah. a couple burrows down to the fucking. 
cliff the cliff yeah. like what the hell who would have looked at this and been like you know what we needed more we needed more screen time for that fucking little shit we just didn't clearly didn't have enough <laughs> yeah i take it back fuck david engelbach <laughs> he was crying because he wanted more david mendenhall is this his dad what's going on uh this is actually a, uh, a recasting that we didn't do, but Rick Zumwalt, again, he played Bull, was actually the studio's third choice for Stallone's rival. They originally wanted arm wrestling champion Cleve Dean, which is the most arm wrestling champion name of all time. <laughs> but he was so massive compared to Stallone that it wouldn't have looked believable. So they went with professional wrestler Ox Baker. When Baker didn't pan out, the role went to Zumwalt, which is crazy because Zumwalt looks fucking huge. Yeah, he dwarfs Stallone also. <laughs> I like that this idea of like anyone, like everyone dwarfs Stallone. He's that tiny little guy. Right. And that's what makes it so great, obviously, in, in Rocky 3, when he goes toe to toe with what Thunderlips with uh, yeah, Hogan. Yeah, Hogan. Because Hogan, I mean, there was clearly some, there's some in camera sort of. Yeah, there's some camera there. tricks to make it look even more insane. But Hogan is really big he, in real he life. He is huge, but he's not that that much bigger. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, do you have any uh, trivia? That, that's like the most interesting shit. I mean, there's tons of other stuff, but nothing that I find uh, all that all that interesting to talk about. No, you hit the highlights. And, you know, the other thing was what you kind of mentioned while we were having the discussion was about them swapping out John Wetton from Asia for Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Which I should go ahead. I was going to say that was an upgrade for oh, America. Yes, I, I agree. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I should mention that Stallone and Hurley were both really injured during the final match. Uh, Stallone strained his forearm and dislocated Hurley's shoulder during the final moment when he won, won the match. The cry of pain you hear from Hurley is very real. It's oh, wow. I yeah. believe it. It looks like they're definitely they're going they're going for it. And well, Stallone told Hurley not to go easy on him. And Hurley laughed and, and told him he doesn't want to hurt him. But Stallone insisted that they go for real. And Hurley was shocked that Stallone was able to hold his own. Yeah. So that's that's nuts. Um, well, let's rate this and uh, conclude season two. Um, I know it's sad, but here we are. What iconography do we want to expose to this uh, film? Do we just want uh, to that that that, that uh, metallic hawk that he uh <laughs> detaches and attaches at at will to his what's that what's that called what's that the hood ornament that yeah it's a hood ornament hood, hood ornament so you clearly did not grow up uh as a young derelict that would rip off hood ornaments for fun you didn't do no, that uh, i've never seen that was of a bygone era that that i can claim for my generation sure. Um, that was on my radar of things to do. <laughs> I actually had a I had a Reebok shoe box full of hood ornaments that I would rip off of cars. That's tight. So what do you do uh, now? You got your shoe box. You just look at your your, your, <laughs> your treasures of war, our trophies. Yeah. So kids used to turn them into necklaces. 
there was obviously more there was some that were more coveted than, uh, than others you know if you got a mercedes one or this if you is were tight. Able to, i can't tell if i'm just not old enough or what i don't know yeah what. i think it was just a, a generation before you was this is what the delinquents in, in indiana would do rural suburban indiana would go around popping hood ornaments we were just more like general pyromaniac kind of like just firework shit. Just like That's fireworks good. in mailboxes, fireworks in, and, you know, open up the gas canister of a car, put a firework in there. That That's stuff. good. That's a good one, too. Or just we used to also um, take the baseball bats to the to the oh, yes. mailboxes. A timeless a good, tradition. Good old time. And egging. All that. Um well, we have that. We have the hood ornaments. We have the backwards trucker hat. Yeah. We have the oiled up bicep. Yeah. We have we have the crying bitch face, Mike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, these are all. Yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna name it after Mike, it has to be like tuna salad on wheat with. <laughs> Sparkling water and a squeeze of lime. <laughs> we have an out of control big rig. There's so many choices. What do you? I don't. I don't care. How about this? How about this? Great. How about this? Our iconography for for today is <laughs> it is a out of control big rig with a screaming flaming patriot hawk. Patriot Eagle. No, no Eagle. A flaming patriotic Eagle as a hood ornament wearing a reverse trucker hat as it cries, as it drives through a jam packed, uh, traffic jammed, rush hour highway LA strip. There we go. There's our iconography. So, what? what <laughs> What's it driving through? I thought it was driving through a house. <laughs> yeah, but I want this one to drive through LA traffic during rush hour. Well, shouldn't it be driving through like uh, a civilian village in Baghdad? <laughs> okay, there we go. Out of how many? Out of that? <laughs> out of that? Uh, that many okay. of those? What did we rate this? That many of those? I would. <laughs> do. This is a really hard one because I can't. It's not. I, you know, I can't give it like a five. <laughs> you could. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> you know, it would actually fit the movie to be like, I'm all in, all fives across the board. It really would because. <laughs> it would be exemplary of this brainwashed American mentality of, you know, post-truthness. This is the best. This, this, this is actually the... No, this is... Actually. You've just been brainwashed by liberal propaganda. This is the best movie ever made. Five out of five. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know where to take this. I'm, I'm genuinely... If I were to be honest, then I would I would generally give this a three and a half. I was going to give it three. I was actually I was going to downgrade it a little bit. Ever just let's say two and a half to three. But I enjoyed so much. That's why I can't. You know, right? Yeah, that's why I, it's so well, hard. I'm going to stick with mine. Three, three out of five. I did three and a half out of five. Where is this on the midnight clock? Like nine o'clock on USA Network. <laughs> yeah, but. Because this is such a uh, get together with your friends, you know, 
take your substance of choice if you choose to have like a whole stack of pizza boxes in front sure, of you. That don't need popcorn. This is just this could be this could be a midnight movie. I never knew what we meant by putting the shit on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. This, it's clearly well, our, originally our desert, I understood our, it, but now I don't understand it. <laughs> it has to be its relationship to cultness. What yeah. is this movie's relationship to the idea of cultness? Of yeah, but cult then we're always movie. like, this has to be like one or two because of the titties or the like the head explosions. That's right, why I get confused. All, but we're also putting it in context of if we were to watch this movie during the time that it came out, or let's say the 80s, specifically, let's designate the 80s. Now, obviously, because you're a little younger than me, your midnight movie watching during the 80s was very limited. But your mind's eye can take you to that point because you still experienced it through the 90s. Where, so how culty is this? Yeah. Where, you know, I mean, it's, yes, this yeah, movie, I would still go with not near mid. I don't think it's very culty. I mean, if you want to be honest. OK, so when I was growing up um, in Fort Wayne, there was Channel 55, which was the local news station that eventually became um it became uh part of the fox syndication so it would it would show edgier programming but on sunday every day there was i would call it the manly mat matinee they had the man matinee my dad would watch it every sunday where there'd be like john wayne movies or war movies or things like that and it was around noon you know, we'd have our breakfast and we'd watch our John Wayne movie or whatever. This could be a part of the manly matinee as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So it could be it could it could be a noon on a Sunday with your dad. Your dad's cracking a cold brewski. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it seems like earlier <laughs> in the day or as an adult. You could be cracking brewskis with your, your dudes, your lady dudes, your man dudes, your gender non-conforming dudes with a pile of pizza boxes after midnight, just talking shit on my cock. So either way, <laughs> this is like, all right, so this movie is like, it almost could be quantum in its in its in its nature. It, it can exist in two it's places here, at it's once. It's there. It's nowhere. <laughs> It's like on the clock, not on the clock. Who knows? Exactly. Who the fuck knows? We finally got a movie that has broken the space-time continuum. We don't. I don't know where the hell this lands. Final and and what a fitting one. Like what a fitting final movie. One that just truly broke the fucking transcends phenomenon. Our own physical phenomenon. Our, our own, own category. Our own perceptual grasp of the universe. Yeah. Fuck. Over the top is a truly quantum movie. <laughs> we need to get our best physicists on this. Have them watch this day and night until they can figure out where on the clock this lands. There we go. Well, so there is no movie for next week because we're going to go on a small hiatus with uh, plans to possibly return again in October for our Flixtober series. Um, Possible. So, Come well, on. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, we're I'm in. Do it. We're doing it, baby. 
We already got the groundwork laid for it. We'll be back in October for our Flicktober <laughs> series for all of our Guyanan. Guyanan. Guyanan is just Whoopi Goldberg in Star Trek, so I don't know. That can't be it. But for all of our listeners, whether it be Ghana, China, Australia, stateside, Seattle, Indianapolis, whatever. We'll see you next season. Yeah. We're going to have bigger, better, badder, more muscular, more more boobs, more penises, more butts. I'm not sure we'll beat the seven-day boob streak, but seven-movie boob streak. (laughs) But we can try. All right, you fuck nuts. Signing off. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music, appropriately enough, is brought to you by Motorhead with their song Over the Top. If you're a band looking to submit a song or a listener looking to submit a question, feel free to shoot us an email at midnightflixpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at midnightflixpod. For Adam Walker, I'm Pat Mitchell. See you next year for season three, or more appropriately, uh, the Flixtober series this October. Yeah, bud, we're going to see you in the spooky season. Got three